So you guys know I've been messing around with a lot of fasting, you know, for the last two or three years. And the way I initially started fasting, because I'm a former fat guy, was like I need I couldn't like fast fast. I needed like some kind of food. I needed like MCT oil or I needed just something. And so I started using Perfect Keto. Uh, they have a MCT powder, and then on, in addition to that, they have a regular MCT oil. And I've been utilizing that uh, in my morning coffee uh, just to kind of, you know, give me some sort of, like, just so I'm not starving to death, mm-hmm. you know, just to give me a little something. And as a lot of people know, the MCTs, they convert to ketones a lot faster than just other types of fat that you might eat. Yeah. And uh, the chocolate um, the powder, the chocolate MCT powder is great. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they made a fat into a powder that can mix up super easy, but it mixes up really easy into like yogurt, mixes up really easy uh, into my morning coffee, and I enjoy it a lot. Cool. So you feel like good energy after you have that? Yeah, I feel some good clarity, some good energy, um, and then I can, I'm can i able to fast until you know 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I'll have that at like 8 a.m., and uh, something that kind of carries me through at least uh, mid- midway through the day. Cool. Nice. And Seema, where can people find this? All right. So help yourself with your fasting by incorporating Perfect Keto MCT oil powder by going to perfectketo.com slash powerproject and use code powerproject to get 15% off your MCT oil and Perfect Keto products. I think all of us here really, really love meat, mm-hmm. but the one person that loves meat more than anybody <laughs> is Mark. So uh, how much meat have you had this week, Mark? I don't know. You know, I, I, I do eat I do eat quite a bit. Yeah, I know. Of meat, um, especially like after I've fasted. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, one time I came home from the gym and uh, probably just slaughtered like maybe a, a, it was a tomahawk ribeye. I think it's yeah. gigantic. But, you know, I do I do smash a lot of meat in a, in a given day. Um, what I like about the Piedmontese uh, beef, though, is a lot of, for me, a lot of times I have trouble because I do love the fattier meats. Mm-hmm. And so I still might go over my calories. But with the Piedmontese, I don't know how they do it, but their their steaks are a lot leaner, but they're still super tender. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing it over there. And then on top of that, they cook faster. Mm-hmm. How are they doing it over there? It's crazy. It's But the thing is, it's so sick for people that are like having to diet and they still want to eat steak and they have to lower their fats or whatever, and they still want to eat that red meat. Well, Piedmontese is perfect because it's not as fat. I don't understand. It's crazy. And you're still getting a nutrient-dense food. You're getting a lot of protein. Um, the other thing that's great about this company uh, that I think separates it out from a lot of others is the fact that they're they're giving you a cook guide. Mm. And like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't know a lot about cooking, man. I just like throw stuff in a pan a lot of times. I just put salt and go. But this <laughs> is actually pretty awesome. You can actually make tasty food. I'm not too bad with the grill. Mm. Andrew, where can people find out more about Piedmontese and where, where can they get an awesome deal? Cool. Yeah. Our friends at Piedmontese are hooking you guys up with an insane deal. Head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com and enter promo code POWERPROJECT. If you can't spell that, well, maybe it's not for you. Enter that promo code for 25% off your order along with free two-day shipping on all orders over $100. Ready and three, two, one. And yeah, we're going. We did some bench pressing today and we tried some of those overheads. Yeah, uh, the overheads are not my favorite because I just feel like every time I'm done with them, my my back gets a little tweaked. The Z pressing? No, we didn't mess with the Z for today. We just stayed on the we 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 stayed standing up, but uh, we did a couple sets. It felt pretty good. Yeah. No, yesterday, shoot, the breathing I sucked at. I was having a hard time with that, and 
it made a huge difference, like a 50 pound difference. For huge. Me yeah. I, uh, I did 95 pounds. I've done that many times before, but it was super easy once, uh, mm-hmm. Brian was like, no, you got to get your breath before you even, you know, touch the bar and then, you know, be like, a uh, you know, quick with it. <clears throat> Don't like take time to set up, just go. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. And yeah. yeah it, it made a huge difference. Yeah, no, he made, there's something different I did yesterday and I can't pinpoint what it was, but the overheads that we were doing yesterday were much easier, even on the push pressing. Um, so there was something he showed there. I guess that's why it's a complete guide to overhead pressing. When you do, um, when you do, uh, jujitsu and you're doing like your drills, I, I know for me, like when I was doing like pro wrestling, like even though sometimes you're doing a drill and you're trying not to hurt anybody else and stuff. And you're trying to go through the drill cause it's practice, mm-hmm. but you're really like, once you kind of have the idea down, once you see it, you're really going through it. Like you're going, you're going hard. Do, do you guys do that in jujitsu? Do you, do you go like once you kind of, once everybody kind of understands what needs to be done, mm-hmm. you guys go in pretty hard on it. Yeah. Like th- there's a drilling and then there's a sparring part. So when he shows us like the technique of the day and then we drill it, initially you're drilling it a little bit slow unless it's meant to be an explosive Just technique. Right? Give everyone kind of a second to understand what you're doing and everything. Yeah. 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 So you'll drill it a little bit. slow once you get the hang of it, yeah, you can then start speeding it up, putting on the choke a little bit harder, putting it on quicker. Yeah. Yeah, because t- when we were doing the stuff with uh, Brian today, uh, he didn't really mention mention it to us as much yesterday. But today he was like, he he did say it. He was like, you know, no pitter pattering around. Like he didn't want you to take extra steps. But today he put it um, in better terms. He was like, you don't have a lot of time on this lift. As soon as you pick the weight up out of the rack, because we're doing an overhead press. Mm-hmm. As soon as you pick that weight up out of the rack, you're like losing time. And you're losing strength because you'll be losing how long you can hold your breath. So before you ever load your body up with the weight, he said, get yourself aggressive, get that air in your body, keep your core tight, take your steps back and pretend that you're in like a race. Yeah. And he kind of showed us like how aggressive, like he would step into it. And I was like, ah, okay. And it made more sense to me because I was like, that's the way I did drills when I was wrestling. And that side of me and part of the reason why I'm retired and I, I deserve to be retired is because I don't have that same, like that same little gear in there. I can mm-hmm. still lift heavy and I can still go at it, but on an assistance exercise, I'm not normally thinking that. And that's like a, like a flaw. It's like, you like kind of missing the killer instinct. Yeah. You know, you, you want yourself like up against the ropes and you do want to kind of kick your own ass you do want to kind of kill yourself in your workouts with some you know you want within some reason right you don't want to totally annihilate yourself but his point was that aggression is going to lead you to not getting hurt if you soften up too much you have the ability to tweak your back or something like that you know I wonder, do you think that like you don't have that on the overhead press because you don't overhead press much? Because when we see you bench press, Mm -hmm. like even if you're about to move heavy weight, you get ready, you move under and you're just like you know, you move yeah. fast, like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't waste time on bench pressing. Yeah. So is it just because you don't do it as much? Yeah, it could be, could be that kind of thing where I'm trying to like feel it out yeah. and I'm like un, unsure, but it's interesting, like what being unsure can do to you, mm-hmm. you know, can, it can make you look like a rookie really quick because I've been lifting for 30 years. Yeah. Right. I shouldn't look like a newbie on there, uh, but I sure did. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I find it to be, uh, I find it to be interesting, but Having him in town was amazing. We we learned a lot from him. I was able to share a lot with him. He learned a lot from us. Um, 
he shot some he's, he shot such good content with us the podcast was amazing, was amazing a episode. lot of the stuff he said in the podcast i think is stuff that uh we'll remember for a really long time and a lot of the things he shared with us on uh our youtube channel and everything like that was amazing but the one thing that i think really kind of stuck with me is the topic that you want to talk about today i just found it interesting the way he looked at suffering in his training mm-hmm yeah, no, like I was thinking about that a lot today. Um, and I, I, I was just wondering because it, it brought me back. There's a, when I started playing soccer as a kid, right? I started at like six or seven. And when I was eight years old, I remember this really vividly. We were doing hills on a field. And, and this is the time when I was playing more competitive soccer. So the, the coach was a more serious guy. I remember his name too, Brandon Cavett. Um, and we were doing some like sprint drills. I wasn't greatest at endurance. Like I was, I was good at fast stuff, but not endurance. And I think I had a little bit of asthma then too. Right. So my breathing was a little bit, what you know, bad. So I started kind of whining a little bit cause I was tired and Brandon was like, and see, you need to stop being a little prima donna. And that hit home. I still, like, I still remember how he said it. Cause after that, like I told my mom and she was like, eh, maybe you do, <laughs> you know? And I was like, dang, like. Okay, and from there, you know, really pushing myself, especially physically, um, past comfort um, became something normal to me. Mm. So when he talked about suffering beautifully and you see all the workouts that he does on his Instagram and you see how hard he pushes himself and it's, it's difficult as hell, I was wondering what can people do or how, how can people get themselves to that place? What do you need to be able to get yourself past a place where you can just continue to push past massive discomfort. Um, because I feel it a lot with, with jujitsu, like with jujitsu and sparring, I don't take breaks when I spar, even after like, let's say we'll have nine or 10 sparring sessions after drilling. Right. But after the sixth one, my heart's already racing, mm-hmm. but something, be, be, something is in me or I don't know, there's a reason, but I just continue sparring even though I'm exhausted because I know that that's going to help me to get better. If I can do well when I'm tired, I can improve faster. So how can people develop that? Because I think that's powerful. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. Um, But what I like about what you're saying, what I'm intrigued about is I would imagine at jujitsu, there's some, there's probably some really awesome jujitsu practitioners, but there's probably not a lot of guys that are your size and strength. Maybe in the class, maybe in your whole school, there's like, is there like one other guy that's? There's a few. There's a few guys that okay. are stronger than me. That uh, two guys, they're actually white belts that are stronger. Neho is a brown belt. He's like two eighty, two ninety. He doesn't lift. But stronger he's very... as in they can, but they can they still handle you jujitsu yeah. wise. They can still handle me. There's the yeah. There's right. a few upper belts I can. So still, yeah. I, I would imagine though too that you probably love the challenge of being fatigued and trying to go up against these other guys. Yeah. Right. I think that's probably because you're a competitive person. So I think that's probably something ingrained in you. And I also believe um, this is something I, I thought about years and years and years ago. But the pressure there's like I can't describe it. And I wish I had a better way of describing some of this stuff, but I just don't. There's no real way to describe the pressure of like a heavy squat. Now. Maybe a heavy squat because I haven't played every sport and I haven't done enough jujitsu to know maybe the bottom of a heavy squat feels like somebody getting your back and like just about to tap you out. Like I, I don't I don't really know. But there's something 
that you gravitate towards with that pressure. That pressure feels really good. I've heard a couple friends, and I haven't never done this, but they do uh, some like deep water di- deep water dives, and mm-hmm. they because they go down so deep, they start to feel a lot of pressure, and like you get the same pressure kind of like behind your eyes and in your face and in your body that you get from doing like a heavy squat. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes. And we talked about, you know, there's different types of sports that have a different adrenaline dump or different adrenaline rush. Um, you know, like whitewater rafting is going to be way different than powerlifting, right? Yeah. Or or uh, snowboarding or something like that. It's going to be just drastically different. They're not going to feel the same. But there's something uh, interesting to me about, like, just handling a heavy weight in a training session and kind of uh, having that uh, that pressure build up. So for me personally – like a, a way that I uh, have an opportunity to um, to build upon myself, to to build myself up. To um, I've been calling it for years, suffering for the unknown, because you don't you don't know what it's for, mm-hmm. you know. And then maybe someday you find out. Like I, I was able to like turn it into a career, so maybe that's what it's for. I don't know. We'll find out. Like I don't really know what the story is. Um, but you work hard. You work hard. You work hard. And suffer is a big word, right? Like we're 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 just talking about lifting. Yeah, we're not at war. You know, we're not. We don't know. Like, thankfully, we're all very healthy, mm-hmm. and so we're not. Re- when we say suffer, it's just our own pussy version of <laughs> us being a little sore and tired in the gym. It's not. That's true. There's people that suffer horrific things. There's people in third world countries. We're not talking about any of that stuff because thankfully we don't have to deal with any of that. We're talking about our own baby <laughs> suffering that we have. Uh, over here, which is our legs being tired <laughs> and, and those types of things. I just like to put that out there and just so people just they understand, you yeah. know, we're not, we're not trying to sound heroic and we're not trying to sound tough, but we're trying to help you understand some ways that you can get yourself to be better. Because once you get a little taste of this, it is highly addictive mm-hmm. and you start to challenge yourself in so many different ways. You're probably not old enough to remember when George Foreman came back into boxing. But when George Foreman came back into boxing, he's probably older than I am right now. I'm 42. He's probably like 45. And he came back and he fought like Evander Holyfield and stuff. And like he did great. He, he yeah. won the belt back. He was demoralized in the late 70s. I believe it was in late 70s by Muhammad Ali and he never returned to the ring again. Got knocked out by Muhammad Ali. George Foreman was one of the most dominant boxers in the history of the sport. He's one of the biggest, most athletic, most powerful men to ever walk the face of the earth. He was a nightmare to fight, and he was mean. That's People don't even understand that. George Foreman was fucking mean. You'd never assume that No, nowadays. he's so nice and happy. He got a big old smile, right? That was uh, later on because he was making so much money. I think, he got, <laughs> I think he got pretty happy by that. But he was a mean bastard and like... People that um that Muhammad Ali fought and had wars with, Muhammad Ali fought um, Joe Frazier three times. And every time it was a war, and Joe Frazier broke Muhammad Ali's jaw. Joe Frazier beat beat uh Muhammad Ali. Ken Norton, Muhammad Ali had wars with Ken Norton. And <laughs> George Foreman, when he fought Joe Frazier, he knocked him down three times in one round. Damn. He kicked the shit out of everybody. He was completely unstoppable. He ran into Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali just demoralized him. I've talked about it on this podcast before, where Ali said to Foreman, is that all you got? And it was in like the eighth round, and Foreman was like, that's all I got. <laughs> but when Foreman came back, 
because he's a veteran fighter, he didn't waste uh, any. He didn't wa- he didn't waste any energy. He didn't do a lot of extra movement. Mm-hmm. But in between rounds, and I think as a challenge and as a hey, I'm going to show you young guys what's up. He didn't sit down in between rounds. You see him right there. He's just he's just standing in the corner. He wouldn't sit down in between the rounds. Everyone else sits down on a stool. You see an MMA all the time. There he is fighting uh, Evander Holyfield. And it's like, how can you develop a mindset that is kind of like frightening to your opponent? Or how can you develop a mindset that makes you feel really good Yeah, and, and makes you want to kind of continue to move forward? We had David Goggins on the podcast. Remember, David Goggins was talking about um, Rocky. And he was talking about some of his favorite moments from Rocky, how, um, you know, Rocky just wasn't getting tired and Apollo was kicking the shit out of him. And Apollo just had that look and he just threw his hands down to the side like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to keep bashing your face in because I don't have anything left anymore. And then it's like, how can you develop a similar mindset, a similar mentality? I think one way to do it is to go to the gym. Yeah, no, go to the gym. And, you know, if you're just starting out, I think that's why Brian yesterday was, was like, I think he mentioned that people should work into some of the stuff that he's doing because I think it also takes obviously a certain level of skill. Um, I can remember when I first started jujitsu, I would take breaks between sparring sessions. I don't remember when that kind of thing stopped. I think it was maybe towards blue belt when I was getting the hang of things. Um, then I didn't feel that I had to stop anymore. And I like, I don't stop because I've built a level of skill that I don't feel that you know, I feel that I can keep going even when I'm really exhausted. I can figure something out when I'm tired. Um, and also, like, for, for myself, like, I really have a big reason why I want to get better. So whenever I'm feeling really tired, it always kind of comes back to that. It comes back to, okay, why are you here? Okay, you're feeling like this. You know why you're here. You know why you want to get better. Okay, get back and find somebody else to roll with. Um, that's a really important thing. And you don't have to be someone who's trying to compete. You don't have to be trying to get to a world level or anything. I think you just have to have something that's important to yourself that when you're feeling like absolute dog crap, you can go back to that and pull from that. Is uh, is your reason why kind of attached to your goals? Like uh, I think you, you've mentioned to me that you want to be a black belt kind of in a short period of time, but does it extend past that? Yeah, I want to I want to get my black belt quickly, which requires a lot of mat time, requires a lot of repetitions. Um, whenever I'm there, I need to take advantage of all the time I have. But I also want to compete against some of the top guys in the sport that are currently black belts. Mm-hmm. And by the time I think I might get my black belt, I know that they're probably not going to leave the black belt ranks. So I may be able to get a shot at them. That's the goal. So if, if that's the goal, that means that I can't really rest much because they're already so far ahead. Mm. I have to try and catch up in any way that I can. And they may have been doing it since they were like 13, six. Yeah, yeah. six, yeah. seven, right? So um, that's why like, I, I need, like, they're probably training harder than I am. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I have certain strengths that I know uh, that are maybe ahead of them, and they have a lot of strengths that are ahead of me, so I just need to try and do everything I can mm. to get there. Yeah, it's interesting when you t- talk about high-level sports, supposedly the way it's supposed to work is that uh you're supposed to play a lot of different sports you're not supposed to specialize uh, however i think when it comes to something like this like any sort of grappling or really anything that just requires just so much air like you can't ever i don't think you can ever be too conditioned yep 
for jujitsu or boxing or wrestling or MMA, mm-hmm. um, you could kind of make the argument like, look, if someone's been doing it for since they're four or five, it's like just one less thing for them to worry about. They probably don't really their their cardio is probably so high because they've just been doing it for so long, mm-hmm. you know, and they they've been getting better. Uh, they've been getting better the entire time, but you can look at it this way too. You can say, well, they don't have the background I have. You know, I played soccer for many years, which is a different sport. And you had an opportunity to grow and maybe possibly be more athletic than them in some other endeavor. In some ways, like maybe like, obviously I think the lifting portion and the strength aspect of things plays a pretty big role in grappling. You know, we talked about if people have the same level of skill, um, but one person is vastly stronger than the other, then the person that's stronger can beat the other person, even though they have the same level of skill. So I think that that can play a big role. Um, but yeah, I think that when it comes to this though, like having that, having a base level of skill so that you can push yourself to those levels and you do know, I guess where your limit is, that's really important because I can, I can honestly say, I don't know where my limit is currently in terms of my cardio output for jujitsu because I haven't gone to a place where I've had to really stop. So I think that that's. That's that's really important. But also, like as far as lifting is concerned or for for strength athletes, yeah, it doesn't mean that you want to be doing one rep maxes every single every single training session. But like we were talking about a little bit before, when you're doing some of your accessory movements, you can probably maybe add in different movements that you've never worked with before. You can take shorter rest periods like, okay, so you're not going to rest 30 seconds between a one rep max squat. But if you're doing, you know like some Penley rows, or if you're doing overhead pressing, you can add in some burpees like maybe Brian Alsru does. And you can add in some of these things to really push yourself in some of those movements and see what you can do, see how that may help your conditioning. How many, um, so you've been, you've been doing jujitsu for about two and a half years or so? I think now it's, it's going to be a uh, four years come December, come December. It's going to be four years. Yeah. So four years of jujitsu and, um, like how many practices would you view as how many practices did you have that you feel were poor? And I don't mean poor just cause like you couldn't figure out the execution that you worked on the prior session. Cause sometimes that happens, right? It's like sometimes stuff's not computing on how to get a certain hold or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you left there and you were pretty pissed off at yourself because you just feel like, you just feel like you just didn't you didn't get enough out of it like you didn't you almost didn't work hard enough there it would only be the practices that maybe maybe Cassio wasn't there because Cassio when he's there he when we have sparring sessions he has he runs a lot of sparring sessions sometimes when other people and he's are, a good coach and he's going to make sure yeah like that he, you have a intense workout yeah even if like he knows it's important mm-hmm, exactly like he'll he'll sometimes like this more like this yeah this morning i think we had eight or nine sparring sessions which is a good amount like that's eight or nine six minutes rounds but sometimes oh yeah yeah sometimes when another other work <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah yeah but um sometimes when other instructors are there sometimes they they might only have us do five rounds or six rounds those are the only times where i'm just like i wish I wish we did more like the, the, like I'm not disappointed. Well, I am a little bit disappointed because I don't feel that I, I did enough. But um, it's just like, yeah, those are the kind of sessions where I leave wanting to do more. When Cassio is there, when I leave, I'm like, could have done more, but it was it was a good amount of work we did today. 
Yeah. It can get to a kind of a diminished returns at some point if you did 20 rounds, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I think that there's, there's times that we do something called King of the Hill. Mm. And King of the Hill is just like it sounds like you'll have a bunch of people that line up. Like, let's say there's 30 people or 20 people in the class and you'll have eight guys on the mat. And people will just like literally line up and go roll. And what it's like is like, if you get submitted, you leave the middle and you go in. But if you stay in the middle, people are just continuing to come at you. If you tap them, you go to the next person. I like those. Uh, we haven't been able to do it in a while, but I like that because it's rare. Like recently, the last time we did it, I don't. I think I left the the middle once, and it was because Casio came and kicked my ass, <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back in. But I like that because it pushes you to that place where you're like. Okay, you're done. You tap that person. Okay, another person's coming. You don't get a break. Another person's coming. You don't get a break. And I like those training sessions because I, I, I really think that with jujitsu, you need to train in an exhausted state so you can start relying on like technique. And I like the way that feels and I can really work those things. Um, so I think that's it's necessary to, to get to that place every so often. I find it really interesting that that's like embedded into that sport where that's not really embedded into lifting uh, however, it is embedded into the CrossFit community. Yeah. And we've seen like the progress that they made and, and it wasn't really, I mean, I guess you could see it, you could say bodybuilders, you know, pre-exhaust failure and, and all that. Yeah. Pre-fatigue and, and, and some of those things, um, drop sets, a drop set would be like a King of the Hill scenario. Like mm -hmm. how long can you last? You know, when we, uh, when we just continue the duration of this set, even though you're exhausted, right. Kind of similar, um, it's definitely a similar, uh, principle, but like just getting yourself super exhausted through, um, you know, various drills and stuff, you see that quite a bit in the CrossFit and then you kind of see the amplification of how many men and women have gotten so lean and so, uh, so fit, you know, in, in a, uh, in a short period of time. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And then it's like, I guess it can be a little bit hard sometimes to try to convert it into like weights. Cause like you know, what would that look like in a deadlift session? Would you be doing burpees in between your deadlifts? You can make an argument that maybe you'll never really get that strong if you're doing the burpees in between your deadlifts, but you can also make the argument the other way and say, maybe this would be a new way of your body recognizing training and maybe you just adapt to it. Yeah. Finding that, finding where your limit is with that. Cause I think everybody at, at all different skill levels has a different limit. There's going to be like the lifter who hasn't been training so long and yeah, they'll push themselves and they'll find, okay, this is, I'm, I'm getting into deep water here. I can't handle it. But then there's been, the, there's a lifter that maybe they've been training a few years and they're being a little bit too conservative still. Like uh, there's this guy I was working with a few years back um, and he did a max test for a deadlift. All right. And in the video he sent me, he did like 385 i think for like five and he was like that was an rpe nine for anybody that doesn't use those rpe terms that means you had one rep left in the tank a 10 means you can't do anymore or nine means one more i watched the video and his last rep was just as fast as his first rep it didn't move any slower and it didn't look that difficult i was like that's not a nine. So I was like, take a week. Let's do this again on, I think, Saturday or something. Take, uh, take 425. Do it as many as you can. He did like six. And then, and then he was like, oh, wow. So I think that's like, I think a lot of lifters are there where they don't necessarily know what, 
I guess, going into that, that deep water feels like, mm-hmm. getting close to that failure actually feels like. And because they're so conservative, and it, it, it is good to be conservative, but if you're too conservative, you're not allowing yourself to reach your potential. Yeah, so, you might not really grow. And then if you take that same lifter, and what if he was to do 425 after another client of yours who's a similar age and similar body weight did 425 for eight? Would your guy be able to do it for eight? Maybe, probably, <laughs> probably get probably. it. He'd probably get it for eight, and maybe even go for the ninth rep. Yeah, right. Like yeah. he might even get the ninth rep. So you know, sometimes having you know a, a training partner or having someone that can hold you accountable. How many uh, like shit workouts do you think you had in that same four year span? Because it sounds like in jujitsu, they maybe just had like a couple. Maybe there wasn't as many people participating on that particular day, or maybe your main coach wasn't there. What about in terms of lifting? Lifting, I haven't, I haven't had many bad workouts. I can't, I can't think of a workout that I had that was bad. Because um, what I'm thinking of about lifting and what I see sometimes is, sometimes it can get a little difficult for somebody to get in like a rhythm with their workout. And sometimes somebody comes in and something hurts, and then they're like, are, are kind of unsure what to do from there. I've had workouts like that before. Lately, I've been, over the last two years or so, I've been feeling pretty good. But I have workouts before where I'm like, oh, my God, my my shoulder, man. That's that's weird. My shoulder normally doesn't hurt. Like, what's going on with this? You know, maybe I'm trying some bench. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that ain't working. Let me try some back. And then I'm like, oh, my God, my bicep and elbow hurt too, you know? Yeah. And then I'm super frustrated. And I'm like, you know what? Probably just makes sense to to just leave the gym, you know, and just, mm-hmm. just to go home and, and, and just rest. And so I think sometimes people get a little confused on, you know, where should they push and, and where should they kind of like pull back? And I guess you'd have to figure out, you know, where's this pain coming from, right? Like what did you do the previous weeks to kind of lead you down this road? Yeah. I think, um, I think that perspective that you mentioned there is, is on the money because if I looked at my lifting right now through the lens of a power lifter, I can't bench heavy right now. And like, even though bench wasn't my best lift, I still liked benching and I can't bench heavy because of my AC joint. So I've had to do a lot of overhead, a lot of overhead work and a lot of incline work and a lot of tempo work with benching. Cause I have to be careful with how just, fast uh, I go. We got to pause down. right here just for a second. Cause this is awesome. What you're saying right now, you don't have the ability to bench press because it hurts a lot <laughs> and you're smart enough to say, I should not be messing with the bench press and you're picking another exercise. I think not everyone wants to do that, right? Like a lot of times people don't want to do that. So that, that takes a level of discipline. Like that's a discipline right there to say, that's, that's not in my best interest. I would love to do that, but bench pressing, it makes up, um, you know, I don't know, 15% of my lifting. Mm-hmm. Right. And the rest is all other stuff. So there's plenty of other options for me to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still find as many things as I possibly can to like get my chest going, like even um cable uh, uh, cable crossover, cable crossovers, because I can get a lot of chest in there, um, a lot of dumbbell work. I can do a lot of overhead work without any type of pain. So I just progress any pushing movements that I can without any pain. I just do that. I do wish I could bench, but like Again, if I was so concentrated on benching, then I would say that every workout for the past like eight or nine months has been shit, right? Because <laughs> I can't bench. Um, but no, I haven't had bad workouts because there's so many other things that I can do and I can progress really well that I, I always leave the gym pr- pretty happy. 
and you've had some knee injuries in the past. You even had a knee surgery over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, what did you do for that? You just audible and and pick different exercises. Yeah, that was at the that was at the old gym. So the cool thing is, shoot, what's his name? What's the guy that worked with the pro basketball players? That he's bald. He worked with a Stanford, right? Um, no, not Stanford. Not Stanford. Oh. He. He came to the old gym. He oh. worked with the Lakers, like as in terms of strength and conditioning, mm. with one of the African guys in the Lakers. I forgot his name. Oh, oh you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, the name. I will, just talked to him too about his family. Dang he's it. with. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with Bart Kwan and yeah, mm-hmm. Jacob Ross. Jacob yes. Ross. There you go. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, once I got the surgery, um, you know, the great thing about the fitness community is like you can you can put some questions up and people will come back. Jacob came back with a message and told me all the things that I should do to start getting like range mm, of motion back. That's cool. And I started doing all of that immediately. I did as much like single leg work as I could. I did a lot of upper body work too. So, I mean, at the old gym, if I like, I just had like a chair and I would like do cable work and just anything I could, could do. And I still got a lot of great workouts in, even though I wasn't able to, you know, squat or any of like deadlift or any of that stuff at that point but there was a mm. bunch of things i could do for it so there's those workouts of, were good there's a lot of great ways to strengthen yourself when something's hurt and they'll they'll even say <clears throat> because of the way the body works and because of the way the central nervous system works let's say you were to break your right hand and you can't train uh you can't train your right arm so you're thinking oh my arm is going to really atrophy there's a lot of science and just a lot of proof uh in general that training the left side of your body will help keep the hypertrophy in the right side of your body. So I just heard about like three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, look, I don't, I don't pretend <laughs> to know all this stuff, but there's some you know information about like the you know the right and left crossing over and things like that. But I've seen it. I've seen it work for people uh, in the past, and also too. Look, you break your hand. It's like let's let's just step back for a second. Let's think about the stuff that we can do. Mm-hmm. What what are things I can do? Like I hurt my wrist really bad. Well, uh, does the gym have a safety squat bar? <laughs> Sounds like you're still in business. Sounds yeah. like you're still in the game. You know, uh, you hurt your knee really bad. Like, are there any lower body exercises you can do? Maybe you can start training your calves a little bit because having stronger calves can help uh, stabilize your knee better. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can figure out, maybe you can't do a leg extension. Maybe you can't do a squat. Maybe you can't do a leg press, but maybe you can do some form of a leg curl. And And now we have, uh, some range of motion. We got some movement. Uh, we're developing the hamstring, which could help potentially um, to stabilize the knee, right? It's like, let's focus on, that's always my advice to people whenever they get hurt. Let's focus on three to five things that you can do. And we can't really do anything about the things that you can't work. You can't do them right now. So exactly. let's not, let's not even dwell on them. Yeah. Like when, when I first had this shoulder subluxating, I told you that there's like months ago it's because i stopped doing shoulder stuff right Mm -hmm. and then the shoulder a subluxation is not a full dislocation but it means the 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 head of the shoulder is slipping in the joint Mm -hmm. it did that like six times in a week and i so i literally couldn't use the arm um before i saw one of the guys at the gym he was rolling with one arm for a little while because he he was having shoulder issues too. Mm. So like I just put my arm in here. The guy that my chiropractor said, put your arm in your gi, just roll with your other hand. And I did that for a few weeks. And when I was able to get my right hand back, my left hand grip was fucking crazy. <laughs> like I was, I was using my left hand way more naturally because I didn't have access to my right hand. So this is now so much easier to use. How's that weird pinky thing? Oh yeah, it's fine now. Oh, <laughs> ah, it's this side. Okay. You, you can tell it's a little bit yeah. bad. <laughs> 
but it, can you squeeze it? Now? I can, yeah. yeah, I can. I can bring my pinky down and stuff. But be, I, I found something I was able to do with the other hand, and uh, like it benefited, mm. even though I wasn't able to use the right one. So there's always something that you can do. There's always something you can figure out. So the the different ways you can work on some of this mindset stuff that we're talking about, it, it's it's infinite. There's so many different areas you can work on this. Um, I, I try to, I try to balance things out between like what's reasonable and realistic for me to actually do. Um, what are things that I actually like to do? Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to figure some of that out too because I, I like dieting. Um, I, I I like being lean. Um, I like being able to handle some weight in the gym. But I'm also like, <clears throat> I don't want to be so deprived of everything all the time. I want to be able to enjoy myself. Um, I want to be a dad. I want to be a husband. I want to be a friend and I, I want to be chill and I want to have fun, you know? So it's like, well, how do I mix all that in with like, quote unquote, wanting to be great or like wanting to be better? And there's a lot of ways you can challenge yourself. You, uh, something as simple, and this is, might sound really stupid, but something as simple as like oxygen debt, you know, just going into some oxygen debt, oxygen debt, um, get on a, get on a treadmill get on a bike, go for a walk and try to just hold your breath for a period. I'm not talking about holding your breath till you pass out. <laughs> just a little challenge to yourself, you know, try the, the bore score, try to, uh, gently just, you know, breathe in, breathe out as you breathe out, as you're walking, see how many steps you can take when you're doing it. Maybe wait 30 seconds and try it again, you know, and try, you can, there's just so many different ways that you can test yourself. Something I try to work on sometimes, and this is where I run into balance issues sometimes. I will sometimes, like when I leave somewhere <clears throat> or when I get to somewhere, I will sometimes mess around in my car on my phone. Mm-hmm. Now, part of the reason why I do that is I don't really want my, my, my kids to see, me, to see me with my phone. And so when I get inside the house, I put my phone away. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like, I'm losing ground. I'm like losing time. I need to like get to, like, I want to get to where I'm going. And when I get to where I'm going, I want to get the hell out of the car. <laughs> and so I'm trying to balance those two things out between, but literally you can make everything in your life a challenge. You can say like, where are you losing ground in your day? Where are you spending too much time? Are you, are you kind of finding yourself doing that? Because like, Maybe you're losing five, six minutes, but maybe you're losing five or six minutes everywhere you go all the time (laughs) and it's making you late or it's making you this or it's making you that. And you could be ahead. You could be ahead, but by cutting that one thing out, it's not cutting a corner. Mm -hmm. It's cutting out BS that you probably don't need. Maybe there's some other way that you could look at your phone and look at Instagram or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. Like your diet too, though, like straight up, (laughs) you know, so many people, um, even myself, I was like, ah, I need this many carbs if I'm going to be able to perform. There's no way I'm going to be able to perform if I'm eating less than like 400 grams of carbs a day, right? And then I just try it out. I do it and I feel pretty damn good. I, I find that, oh, wow, I actually perform better. I feel better on a day-to-day basis when I'm not eating that many carbs. It's, it was more so an excuse for me to keep eating that much <laughs> because I was too scared of letting it go. Or, you know, you have certain snacks in your house or certain things in your house and you're just too scared to let it go. You're like, I'm dieting, but I'll just have a little bit of this. I'll just keep it here, you know, just in case. You know what I mean? Rather than, you know, you know you should get rid of it, mm. but you're too scared to take that leap or actually do that or, you know, go to that limit and take it out of the house. So that's important in all aspects. I think Michael Hearn is kind of the, the king of these uh, challenges, you know, like he'll 
he'll diet, you know, for 12 weeks, get himself super ripped. I know we pay homage to Mike on here all the time, um, but he's just an important figure to bring up because he, no one has a better mindset when it comes to training than Michael Hearn does. Um, he might be in this severe training, might be in this severe caloric deficit, and he's like, I'm going to reverse grip 405 for a set of five while I'm dieted down, while I'm the lightest I've been in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that he challenges himself. And you can challenge yourself the same way, but maybe it just looks different for you. So maybe you weigh, you know, 185 and you're down to 175 and you still want to be able to push 225 for some reps, even while you're dieted down. You could, you can kind of have different PRs. Westside Barbell has utilized that kind of principle for a long time. They got PRs for everything. They got Mm -hmm. PRs with their their pinkies on the ring. They got PRs with their index fingers on the ring. They have body weight PRs. They have age PRs. They have, you know, a, a PR coming back from a rotator cuff surgery, right? Like you can, you can really set up a lot of great challenges for yourself and your reasons why can be so strong that you don't take rest in between your sets when you're doing jujitsu. Yeah. It's, you can kind of, you know, you can kind of think of it that way. You can, really have a good reason to be there because you set up so many things for yourself that it's exciting. Mm. It's now exciting to be there. And that's what we're trying to get you to do. I think we kind of like, first off, I'm so happy that Brian brought that up yesterday. And I like saw some of the videos because thinking about this, you know, we just had that episode where we talked about competition to fuel yourself or to fuel your workouts. Right. But I don't think we answered the question in that episode of like outside of competition, when the workouts get boring, what can you do to keep that fire lit? And I think it's exactly what you're talking about right here. Figuring out things or maybe figuring out new things that you can add to your workout that you can really try and get better at to bring some fire to what you're doing into the gym or to bring some challenge to what you're doing in the gym so that you're not going through the motions and you you get super bored and you quit because you don't like what you're doing anymore. Figuring out things that you like that you can utilize to challenge yourself um, is, that that's huge. I, I never thought about that, but like, we're all doing that here inherently just because it's what we do. Yeah, each thing is a challenge. I mean, even when I got here today, you're completely naked and, <laughs> <laughs> and you got that red light on you, right? But it's like, even that's a little bit of a challenge, not you getting naked, but spending time doing that, like carving out time every day to, to try. I, I heard this is good. I heard this is worthwhile. I'm going to put this into practice and you've been messing with it for the last few weeks. Yeah. That's a discipline. That's a challenge. It, it, it could be, it could be sitting in a sauna for an extra, like you're in a sauna and you're dying. You're like, Oh my God, I need to get the hell out of here. And you're like, no, let's see what it looked like. If I was in here for another two minutes, Yeah, let me just see what it feels like. And again, you're not trying to go past like any like medical limits or anything mm-hmm. like that. You're, it's just a, it's just a test. This is uncomfortable. Let me see how uncomfortable we can really make it. Yeah. Is it Goggins that talked about embracing discomfort that much? Because yeah. like, yeah, it, it's, it's all about just like embracing that discomfort just a bit, not taking it to where like you're not, well, maybe sometimes taking it to where you're a little not safe, but not like, you know, too unsafe, but trying to find that balance of like, just not, not feeling that great because man, like some people have, have like, there's people in my life that I've worked out with, right? And I see them going through it and they stop because they're like, ah, this just this feels a little bit uncomfortable. And seeing what they did, I'm like, you could have done like five or six more reps. But it could be that they need more skill to feel comfortable with it or they need more time. But you can do so much more. 
you know, it's just you're not there yet or you don't feel confident enough in yourself to do that yet. But it's just, I guess, having people around you um, that can lead you into that deep water is also important. You mentioned that, like having gym partners or whatever, yeah. people that can push you in there. Like you push Andrew all the time mm-hmm. when he's felt like he couldn't do certain things. You're like, ah, try it out. And boom, oh, he does it. It's so it's so reassuring having someone else there to 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 tell you that you're going to be fine. You know, like if you like in jujitsu, if you if one of these guys that are that at, at practice are bigger and stronger than you, they go to an event with you and you go and face someone where you're like, holy shit, man, this guy's big. Mm-hmm. They could say, I went against him before. You're going to dominate him. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it changes your mindset. You're like, oh, like, you know, hopefully you were calm and relaxed and confident about yourself before. But as soon as they said that, not, not that you're going to underestimate the opponent, but they're like, you know, they said, hey, dude, like I, I work with you every day. You're a mm-hmm. monster. You're going to crush this guy. You're like, oh, shit. OK. Now, that thought's come across my mind many times, too. <laughs> but like like at the same time, too, when we were over at Mike's gym and I was doing that deadlift, I tweaked a little something like that back on the set before. And I was not confident in doing that very last set of pause lifts. And you were just like, just just give it a shot. Do a few. Yeah. I did a few. It was good. But like literally, if you didn't tell me that, I would have backed off. I was going to back off from it. Right. You know, but you, you gave me that. You just told me those few words. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes good. somebody just needs that uh, confidence. And then we're also talking about like, you know, stuff that's, you know, you're maybe pushing the limits on like what's, you know, safe and what's not safe. I mean, you know, I've done diets and stuff before where I'm in the gym and I'm like, whoa. I'll do a lift and I'm like, man, I, I'm kind of like seeing stars or like some of this was a learning curve for me, mm. you know, with the ketogenic diet. I, I didn't really, I, I would drink water and I'm like, man, I, I just always feel dehydrated, but I didn't know about salt. Um, I didn't really realize I wasn't, you know, at the time I just, I just didn't have the knowledge. I didn't really realize I wasn't getting in enough potassium probably either. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know how severe that was. And so. I did things right up to a point, but I think that that's good. I think in a lot of ways it's good. And you can look at all kinds of stuff and think that it's unsafe. I mean, if I was to, you know, load up 500 pounds and, and do some, uh, and do some squats, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've handled that weight for like a bunch of reps and there's potential for me to get hurt on it. So I could get hurt and you can say, well, shit, man, that wasn't smart. That wasn't very safe. But it's like, well, I, I've done it before, you know, so mm-hmm. it should be relatively safe. Same thing if I went to jujitsu practice and I saw you locking horns with one of the most competitive people, uh, may, maybe you're going with uh, your coach, you're rolling with your coach. And I would look at that and be like, these guys look like two rams on a cliff trying <laughs> to knock each other off. Like, because I don't think people understand how intense jujitsu can be. Like, I think people just think it's like wrestling and grappling and not that wrestling or grappling is slow and not intense, but I think that people don't understand when people are going in jujitsu, it looks crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really doesn't look too much different than just a full on fight. They just don't happen to strike each other, but they're trying, they're trying their best to gain position or to gain an advantage on their opponent. And you're going to be, when you're in the heat of the moment, you're going to, somebody else would look at it and be like, that ain't very safe, mm-hmm. but it's like these things that aren't safe. These things are on, that are uncomfortable. We're not going to get anywhere without pain. We're not going to get, we're not going to be able to grow unless there's some pain. So things are going to be difficult. Things are going to be hard. And when you come out the other side of that, that's when you have some growth. You know, it, it's funny that you, first off, you mentioned the keto thing, right? 
um, where you're like, oh shit, I need to get some, get some water or some sodium where you were like suffering for a few days. I, when I was naked in front of the red light, I watched this uh, Thomas DeLauer video, right? Where he literally just tried carnivore, I think for 30 days. Um, and he was talking like the first few days, he was trying to eat really lean meat. Um, and he was feeling like crap. He's like four days into the diet. He's like, ah, this carnivore diet thing isn't for me. But then he started adding some fattier meats in and he started feeling amazing. Right. And then I think after the third week, his, uh, like his, his subscribers were like, start adding some organ meat. You might feel better. So he added in liver and he's like, liver was the key. Right. And he started feeling so much better with that. Mm. But like he tried it out and he was like, he was, you know, he was getting the learning curve for a little bit, yeah. but after a while he found like now there's a lot of things within the carnivore diet that he's going to utilize in his toolbox, but he tried it out. So that's massive because a lot of the things we talk about and the guests we have on the podcast, um, it's cool to take a lot of lot with what they say and try it out. Like Cole Robinson, he was the one who kicked me over the cliff to try a 48 hour fast. And for you, that doesn't sound, you did a 72, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But that was my first time doing a prolonged fast. Um, and it wasn't that bad. You know, I didn't feel bad like working out and doing all that stuff. So now I know that I can try something else and you feel see like what it's else. Uh, like a benefit for you. Do you think it has like any place in your training and what you're kind of doing? Like, will you try it here and there or you don't think so? I think it has a time and a place. I think especially like with the amount of cardio that I do and lifting that I do, um, there has to be a benefit for me to do it. Like there are health benefits of prolonged fasts, you know, like every few like every few weeks or something mm-hmm. but personally for me i'm not trying to lose weight you know i found that first i think the first night falling asleep was difficult as hell um so i'm not trying to drop any more weight or anything but i think that actually you know if i was trying to maybe get ready for a photo shoot or something and i wanted to like drop a little bit of body fat um i might use that because after that 48 hours i was lean as shit yeah <laughs> like i was super lean a dry fast is wild <sighs> You'll really like dry out quick. Did I could you do that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh dang. Yeah, I, I just did a twenty-four hour uh, dry fast, but it was really good. And then Cole was like, "Oh man," he's like, "You got to try it. You got to try it for forty-two hours." <laughs> you know, he's he's crazy, but um, it gives you more insight too, though, with uh, coaching, right? So it yeah. just gives you more information. I mean, that's all the stuff that you're going to try to do, even if you're not like an, even if you're not a coach and you're you're not even in the fitness community it's just going to give you more knowledge going into everything that you're doing. So you might mess around with some intermittent fasting and you might run into someone in your office and they really need help. They really need to like, they really want to lose weight. They need to lose weight. And you're like, Hey, you ever try this? Like I've, I've been doing this diet. How good is that going to make you feel? That's going to make you feel great. They mm-hmm. come back and, you know, you see them two, three weeks later or whatever. You see them every day in the office and they, you know, they're messing around with the fasting stuff and they, they have their meals with them. They're turning, you know, they're turning a the corner. They're turning over a new leaf and they lose 10 pounds. It's like, man, that, that's, that feels pretty damn good. And that puts you in a nice circle of people that are super positive. And it's just, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have that uh, kind of reinforcement. I, I always say it here. It's like amazing how I know not everyone's like on their diet, you know, uh, 98% of the time, you know, a hundred percent of the time, but in here people eat pretty healthy all the time. And I'm super proud of that. I think that that's, that's awesome. I see people with their monster mash all yeah. the time. I see people mixing up protein shakes and it's just cool. It's like, you know, we have like 15 employees and everyone's like kind of on board and everyone's trying to be better than they were yesterday. It's awesome. 
Man, I'm I'm curious. I'm just curious about this. Back at the old gym when you were heavier, right? What was what was the food like then? Yeah. <laughs> was so it a mirror? So this is why I, I talk about, you know, uh like do more, be more and and sitting on the couch promotes sitting on the couch. Well, donuts promote donuts and like I, I used to eat I used to eat don't the donut thing's actually kind of weird cuz I, I don't not that I uh found a donut that I that I don't like, but <laughs> uh but uh the donut thing, like somebody just brought donuts in on someone's birthday and then it became a thing because yeah. we happened to be filming that day and then donuts were in there all the time. And it was always my, me stuffing my fat face <laughs> with a donut because I thought it was funny, like on videos. And so people brought in more and more uh donuts all the time. But yeah, you know, I, I would eat uh fast food and different stuff like that. I think I think at the time, I think people thought that that's all I ever ate <laughs> when really probably a good 80 to 85% of the time I ate pretty good. Like, yeah. And when I say pretty good, I was still like overeating, you know, uh, but I, I ate a lot of meat and ate a lot of rice and ate a lot of potatoes and shit like that. But I also ate a lot of ice cream. I ate a lot of pizza. <laughs> I ate a lot of fast food. I ate a lot of this and a lot of that really wasn't towards the very end of my career when I was like. Maybe we should try to clean up the diet a little bit. Still uh, eat food that keeps me big. But let me see what it what it looks like, you know, if I have healthier foods. And it didn't really, I, I don't know, I, I probably didn't do it long enough to notice much of a difference. But I was my, I was my, the more reckless I was, the stronger I was. That's, that's how it worked for me. Yeah. By the time I got, I came around, I remember looking at the YouTube channel and being like, oh man, every time they train, there's donuts everywhere. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm going there. Yeah. I can't wait. And then I was like looking around one day like, huh, like, I guess they don't do that like anymore or what's going on here, guys. You no, know, Planet Fitness has pizza Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have donuts every day. Every yeah. day. Every day. <laughs> we just, we just one up them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for people that are listening, they're like, you know, you hear a lot about like, uh, oh, like how does, you know, Brian Alsrew get this mindset or, you know, how does Encima get this mindset of like hitting the breaking point and then being like, I want more. Is it as simple as just like, find, like necessarily kind of, uh, not necessarily breaking down or whatever, but like finding that breaking point and then pushing a little bit more today. And then the next time you get there, okay, I, I did a little bit more. Let me try to do a little bit more than that. Is it as simple as doing that? Or is it just re- like uh, constantly hitting that break point and then being like, okay, I survived it last time. I survived it this time. I'm going to survive again tomorrow. Yeah, man. I think it like what you said is like makes a lot of sense, but I think that that's necessary to find out where that like your limit that, that limit actually is mm-hmm. because if you don't do that or if you if you do that you're going to sooner or later come across a point where you're just like fuck I'm, I'm way too beat or maybe you're not recovering as well so you know okay let me back off of that a little bit but you found it you know like technically some people i think uh what's his name mm. oh well mm-hmm. somebody calls it maximum recoverable volume there's some guy who 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 utilized that term He's from Juggernaut. It's not Chad. It's it's Got it. the other guy. You know, oh, uh, Max Aida? Not Max Aida. Damn it. He's a, he does jujitsu also. He's a purple belt. Oh, okay. Strength guy. Has, he has PhD. But maximum recoverable volume. Um, but like, if you don't push that all the time, just a little bit, you can't ever come across that. Like, and at at jujitsu, right? Like, whenever I'm I'm rolling and I'm super beat, 
and I feel like really tired. It's just like, I just tell myself, all right, just find someone else or point at somebody else and have them roll with you. Just when you feel like that, just try and do a little bit more, try and do an extra set or try and do a little bit more weight. And then you'll come across that point where you're like, you know, that I shouldn't do that. Mm. You know what I mean? But if you don't ever do it, you'll never really get to that point. Yeah, I think uh, having a mindset too of that you that you've never worked hard a day in your life, I think is a good mindset for people to have. Like you ain't done shit yet, you know. Like you're not cool. You're not the best. You're you're not as good as you think you are. You got a lot to prove, and it's kind of nice to have like a chip on your shoulder. And you also, when I like, I don't do this kind of stuff as much anymore. But when I was lifting, it was important to me. And when I was in pro wrestling. When I was in pro wrestling, we all did drills together. There'd be like 40, 50, sometimes 60 people in a class. And you'd watch each guy go. And some of these guys were so, and some of these girls were so athletic. But it was important to me that I developed a skill where, where they would go, oh, that was different. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit, that guy did that perfect. That roll or the backward roll or the bump that he took. Um, you take it with a little extra intensity. And maybe, maybe you can't figure out how to make it look better so wrestling is like theatrical kind of Mm -hmm. and you're like i'm gonna figure out a way for it to look different and even uh even in prepping for a match and preparing for a match we would watch the other matches on the screen in the back and there's only so many different versions of a match you can do especially when you don't like understand the sport that well when you don't you just haven't been around it that long and so I, you know, you'd watch somebody and be like, oh man, they're, they're working the leg or they're working the arm. It's like, it's kind of just part of the way that these matches go. Well, you can do the exact same match as somebody else and have it look completely different because your execution was so good. Mm-hmm. So no one would ever recognize that you copied the piece of shit match that was before you. If yours was better, like if your timing was better, if you were snapping better, if you were, you know, like if you did like a drop kick, you got really high and kicked the guy in the face rather than, you know, doing some shit drop kick where you barely hit the guy in the chest, you know, yeah. th- things like that. You had to really put in, you had to really, uh, you had to really kind of like go for it. And those are a lot of things I learned, you know, through, through, through that sport. But it's like when it's time to go and do something, you want to try to put in the best possible effort that you can part of the reason why I don't, I don't do stuff uh, the same way anymore is cause like, first of all, I'm not in a hurry to get, I'm not in a huge hurry to get like better, you know, which might sound kind of dumb, but like I, I don't mind taking my time with stuff and I don't mind kind of hanging out in the gym for a little bit. Um, secondly, like when I'm doing a lot of stuff, I do a little bit more tempo stuff. So I'm not trying to move like a maniac. Mm. And one way to kind of show how fierce you are is to move like a maniac. Um, I might do it sometimes on dumbbells. I might grab like 150s and kind of chuck them around and get a little angry and do stuff like that. But for the most part, it's like I might grab the 80s and do it with like more tempo. The mindset is still there, though. The intensity is still there. The intent is still there. I'm still thinking about how how am I going to get the most out of this set? Either way, it's still the same thing. It just just is going to look a lot different. But... In my opinion, it's kind of cool when when somebody watches you do something and they go, oh, fuck. Like Kaylor Woolen with his 915 pull the other day, right? I didn't see that. Like, I, I didn't know. That. Like, it's like, I didn't know we're playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit. 
Like, I, I don't I don't have an answer to that. Like, whatever that was, that was different. He mm-hmm. smashed it. He absolutely smashed the weight. He crushed it. Yeah. He's been doing a lot of conventional pulling. He brought up the strength of his lower back. He did a 915 deadlift, and it just it just looked like nothing. It was stupid. God, I need a, sumo? He did it sumo? He did yeah, it. sumo, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he built up his conventional to like 881, I think. So he built that up quite a bit, and then he mm. just ripped this 9. I mean, it just looked like like if his hands could handle it, that he would pull um, 1,000 pounds. I don't know if this is a 915. How much is that? What? Yeah, says, uh... There's one that looks different than that. Maybe is that his? Yeah, uh... it, says nine, it says 915. Oh. Maybe this is an older one then. Um, yeah, try. Uh, yeah, try. Try more recent stuff. It was just from like a day or two ago. Because that one, he, he, that one was fast, but he got hung up. There you go, the oh, red. Oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah, watch, watch this. That's actually cool because now we get to compare. <laughs> this is just dumb. Well, his shirt's way better in this one. Shoop. <laughs> oh, the lockout was so beautiful. <laughs> it just, oh, he just slid right through there. He's looking big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got some good mass to him. I know that's hard for him, so he's been working hard on that. Oof. Man, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. When he stands up, he's... yeah, <laughs> yeah, the lats won't go back down. When, when when he was here, and I was taking pictures of him, and he like threw his shirt off and stuff. I'm like, dude, you look like a Street Fighter character. Yeah, he, you know, he looks like a video game. Character. Yeah, it's it's scary. His back is wide, man. But even like after he dropped it, he kind of was like, whoa, like, huh? All right, well, that worked. <laughs> he just doesn't even know what happened. Yeah, man, Kaler's Kaler's legendary. But yeah, that's. Oh, that's a beautiful pull. The real like, not to talk about like sumo technique or anything, but the, like watch his hips. Yeah, like uh, watch his th- how his hips don't get affected by the weight. Like you'll see a lot of people, their hips will come up when they start the pull, but his hips just stick there. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, and I think that that's got to be the strengthening of the lower back through the conventional pulling. Yeah. Because but he's never been one to lose his hip position. That no, way. no, he, no, he's always been. He's he's been getting a lot of help from. I think the guy's he mentions the guy's name in there, but Tom Martin, I believe it is. Tom Martin doesn't get credit as being a, a an awesome power lifter. He'll actually be at Slingshot Record Breakers. We'll get to. I never met him before. Oh, sick! Really, really talented lifter. I think he pulls about four hundred kilos as well. He's a conventional guy. He's an absolute monster. Oh, that's Kaler. I'm not sure. Maybe he pulls sumo too, but he uses a lot of conventional deadlifts to uh, get strong. Yeah. Doing some block pulls, it looks like. Yeah, he's a strong guy. But I think, you know, back to, you know, what I was saying, I was saying, like, I think it's it's good to recognize that maybe you just haven't even worked nearly as hard as you can. Yeah. You know, maybe you just have never, like all of us, you know, put all of us on blast, right? Like, you know, maybe... There's a lot of people listening to this right now that work out every day and they don't have any idea what it's like to push themselves as hard as possible. And I'll say that even to myself because I don't, I have trained with people that push, 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 push really, really hard during certain types of workouts. I don't push myself like that all the time. Mm -hmm. I could certainly push myself harder. Now just, and Andrew will attest to this, like when I did the bodybuilding show, like we trained way harder at that at that time. Mm. Uh, nothing's really changed. I didn't like turn into like a big puss. I still love to train. We still get after it. There's still intensity, um, but the intent and the purpose 
right? And that's, I think we're trying to always find like the reason why and the purpose. Like what's the purpose behind this? For Andrew, it was like my boy's doing a bodybuilding show and I'm going to support him and I'm going to be there with him. Then when Andrew turned around and did the powerlifting meet, I was like, my boy's doing a powerlifting meet. I'm going to support him. And we, we were driven towards that. Mm-hmm. And it's something that worked. And then sometimes you're like, man, what are we doing now? <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I When we were doing cable crossovers today, I was going to say that, but I didn't know how to approach you about it. And <laughs> I didn't like want to sound, I didn't, I didn't want to sound like a bitch and be yeah. like, Hey Mark, like what's next? Cause like you, everybody asks you that all the time. Yeah. yeah. But like, I meant it kind of like, like what where are we going from here now man? <laughs> like what are we doing so yeah i always shit. have a lot of nexts <laughs> but i don't ha- i don't always have them in the gym mm. uh, and some of that is like complacency i'll just be honest i i've done it i've lifted it i lifted a bunch of shit already you know and uh i even sometimes get frustrated with like even like an instagram post like i don't want to fucking post any more <laughs> lifting on there like I already squatted a thousand pounds. My numbers are already on the internet. They're already there. Like I've, they're cemented in history. They're, they're stuck there. You know? Yeah. I did a, uh, the highest total in the history of California. It's stuck there. No one's beaten it since. And you know, it's like, go reference that. I don't want to lift that shit anymore. <laughs> it reminds me of Elliot when he was talking about like, now he's like, you know, he's fast and he's smaller than he was. He's yeah. like, I have all this strength shit on the internet. Just go look at that. You don't need to look at all my new stuff. Just, yeah. I'm doing yeah. something new now. Yeah, exactly. But what you what Brian said yesterday in terms of um, David Goggins, he said when you're at 100%, you're only at 40. That is exactly what you're saying right yeah. now. Like when you actually think you're putting it all out, you're not. That, that messed me up. <laughs> that messed me up a little bit too. I was thinking about that. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, dang, I'm not trying at all. It's Shit. really true. And as hard as you're going at jujitsu, uh, you know, one of your other classmates or something could call you out and be like, dude, let's go harder. And you'd yeah. be like, okay. Yeah. But it only happened for that, like, you know, one practice. Does it happen at the next practice? And mm-hmm. there's also like some, like, what's reasonable? Like, can we, can we be that way all the time? Yeah. Uh, it, maybe if you're that way all the time, you, you miss out on some uh, camaraderie. Maybe you miss out on joking with somebody. Maybe you miss out on somebody saying, hey, dude, like, you know, my girl broke up with me. Can we go hang out afterward? Like maybe you miss out on something that keeps you in the game for longer than if you were like ah, the whole time, right? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? As funny as it sounds, right? Yeah. But like maybe, maybe that's all. Maybe that's all part of it. I think guys like Bones Jones and guys like Michael Phelps have those guys have kind of led the charge in showing people. Uh, like they knew the right way for them to train. And some people are like, oh, Bones, you know, he doesn't show up uh, to practice. Well, maybe maybe that's because like that kind of goes back to what I'm talking about. Maybe he's playing the long game. Maybe Bones Jones doesn't go 40%, right? Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't understand 40 Maybe Bones Jones goes 100 when he's there or 95, you know, and everyone else is at 40%, right? Like maybe he goes that extra mile. And the same would probably be said of like uh, uh, Michael Phelps, where they were saying for a while he was missing a lot of practices and he still went in the Olympics and destroyed everybody. Mm. But maybe those people, that, like maybe those guys have found what works best for them. And maybe when it is time to go, maybe they're like mental and maybe they just go way harder than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I know Kobe had that mindset. Kobe just wanted to like light the world on fire. 
he wanted to outwork you so he could sh- like he just wanted to also show you all the stories you hear about him like how he'd like stay there purposefully longer after or like he'll watch people and he'll just make sure that he doesn't leave the building until <laughs> after they leave the building just yeah. to show that he is working harder than you you know that's that's something else and i mean i know kobe wouldn't have been kobe unless he was kobe but like i mean how many more championship championships would they have had if he was just like a nicer person to other people? Right. Like maybe, or would they have, I or know about that. no, exactly. So that's yeah, what, I was right, going to say right. like, what, well, or maybe they would have had less. Like we don't know. Yeah. But it's like still like it, it, it makes say, you think. Let's say, let's say he's like 5% worse as a basketball or 10% worse. Say he's 5% worse on offense, 5% worse on defense, but he shacks homie. <laughs> yeah you're right yeah, you know what right. i mean like like maybe maybe right like yeah, maybe they might have been six and yeah yeah and maybe they win a few who more. knows you i know? mean kind of glad but like uh even steve kerr you know with michael jordan you know he he fit, like he went up and punched him and steve kerr was like that was the best thing that's ever happened to me mm-hmm. like what if what you know because obviously you know why the fuck did michael jordan punch steve kerr i don't steve remember Kerr's he was like five eleven. maybe that's why he's just a bully but no, I don't know, who knows? Curry, you hit too many game-winning three-pointers. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> Damn, he could l- shoot the lights out too. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, but no, he probably was just like dogging it during one practice, one right. play, and he just got all pissed off and went up and punched him. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's Michael Jordan. You can do whatever he wants. It's a way to keep them in line. <laughs> yeah. You guys heard of Smush Parker? Yeah, yeah. It's so funny how like even in interviews now uh-huh. like kobe continues to dog on smush that's parker. amazing all these years later he's like fuck smush parker like where is smush right now hearing these things like damn kobe's still coming after me because i didn't work that hard <laughs> <laughs> i mean did i think they wasted like a really high draft pick on him right or something yeah, like that I, I think so <laughs> yeah not as bad as kwame brown but I my mean. name was almost kwame really yeah my it just means born on tuesday even though i wasn't but that's my dad wanted to name me. And my mom was like, no, no, let's not name him Kwame. Yeah. And then uh, the, the guy that uh, Brian was talking about, uh, Olu. Oh, yeah. Olu. Woo. Yeah. That Olu's. dude's a monster. But all I could think about was that that's Nas's dad's name. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But what was that? What was that guy's Instagram, though? Do you remember? Just type in OLU. You'll, you'll, I think it'll pop up. Olu Atafemi something. Type in Olu W A T A. Brian was talking about it on the podcast yesterday. Yeah, this after, um, right right after the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, this strong Nigerian dude that apparently broke um some American squat record, mm. and he yeah like he was he was saying that um what's uh not Larry yeah how do you spell it again? Oh. You can just grab it at your phone. Okay, that's fine. It's not like we're live or anything. Anyway, but yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but it's uh, so interesting to me how different ethnicities have like a, a better propensity towards strength. You know, like um, like a lot of a lot of great Olympic lifters are Chinese, um, and you know, people might think some of the stuff's like racist or whatever. But like when it comes to uh, mobility. When, th- when things have a lot to do with mobility, like figure skating, yeah, uh, there's a lot of really talented um, Asian competitors. And then the same thing in Olympic lifting. Like Olympic lifting, Olympic lifting requires a lot of strength, but it also requires a lot of mobility. And then when it comes to strength, we're seeing, and even CrossFit, um, a lot of strength and 
uh, a lot of amazing ability comes from uh, some of the Nordic countries like uh, Iceland. You know, you see mm-hmm. like, uh, what is it? Uh, or you have, uh, where's Hap- Hapthor's from? Uh, uh, Iceland. He's from Iceland, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you have like just these kind of, ma- these massive people, these massive uh, bone structures. Yep. And your bone structure and like, you know, a lot of the Nigerian people that you point out to me, I'm always like, fuck. They have, they, they, yeah, their their bone structure is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it, it really is, you know. It's it's insane. It's insane that the the way, you know, like each one of us is gifted something, but it kind of seems like uh, sometimes we don't have an opportunity to like display it because we don't maybe try that particular sport. We don't maybe try that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just I think it's. I don't know. I think this thing it's it's fascinating, you know. And people, I don't really hear people talk about it that much because I think people think it's like a touchy subject. It's yeah, people yeah, people think it's a touchy subject, but it's it's not. It's just like everybody has advantages in certain areas. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if I never started jujitsu, I would never realize that like maybe there's something there for me. But I like you take a shot at it. So I mean, I think it's just for everyone just figuring out like not even just athletically, you know. Some people shoot. What are some weird professions? Um, you know, some people start, you know, getting into math or something like right, that. And right. they notice that they're gifted with numbers or something. Right. For some reason, that just comes really easy to them. Right. Everybody has that thing. It's just you just got to figure out what it is, even if it's not something within the gym or athletically. <clears throat> What's your next uh, competition in, in uh, jiu-jitsu? Uh, U.S. Open. I think that's coming up in... September, but I literally just found out because uh, Settlegate told me and Joey told me that there's a there's a slingshot thing happening then. Where but you bring it a, a bunch of people are coming down and having some type of like Daniel and Bailey and a bunch of stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's happening on the same weekend. Oh my god, I don't want to miss that. <laughs> so like I'm trying to figure out like exactly what time the matches are so I can see if I could like. I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't go choke some people out and leave and come back over here. Yeah. But that would be the next one. I just got to make sure that it won't, yeah. uh, you know, won't get in the way. Yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. Do, do you see, uh, it's Brazilian jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. And do you see a lot of Brazilians still being dominant in the sport or is it a good mix now? Because it's been, you know, the information has been taught and it's been out there for a long time. Like Brazilian jujitsu has really spread to a lot of other people, right? Yeah, man. No, there's a, there's a lot of uh, like th- there's a Is lot Cassio of Cassio Brazilian. Cassio's Brazilian. Yeah, he's Brazilian. He's from there. He fucks all you guys up. He fucks all of us <laughs> up. <laughs> he does. But the thing is, is that a lot of other people are discovering the martial art. You're seeing a lot of like you're seeing a lot of like like Gordon. Um, I forgot his name, but his uh, his Instagram name is Gordon Loves Jiu-Jitsu. He's this American dude who's do- been doing jiu-jitsu for like six or seven years. He trains with Donaher. You know who John Donaher is? In New I've York? heard the name. Yeah, heard the name. And Gordon's been just wrecking everybody. And the thing is, Gordon is so loudmouth that like a lot of Brazilians don't like him <laughs> because he's like, I'll kill all of you guys. Let's put money down. Let's put 300K oh, down. And he's calling out top guys and he's actually proving it. So like jujitsu is spreading and it's n- like there are a lot, still a lot of Brazilians at the top, but there are a lot of yeah. other people that are now like inching towards that, you know? Right. So, oh yeah, this guy. Yeah. Even in the UFC, we still see a lot of Brazilians being dominant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, since it's spread, you're seeing a lot of like a lot of Americans are really starting to, to you know, take that. And you actually are seeing a, there's quite a few pro athletes like NFL guys in the lower ranks mm. that have started and that are just like putting it down. Like the guy who uh, beat me at Pan Am's, Jason Shirley. Um, 
he he just got his purple belt too. So hopefully mm. we'll be able to compete against each yeah. other at Worlds again sometime. But uh, yeah, he's 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 killing. So, what are some things in jujitsu that have really surprised you? I think the the first big thing that surprised me that made me really want to stick with jujitsu is that strength matters, but it doesn't matter. Um, and I mean it like this: it's still relevant. It's relevant. It, it's not. It, it's uh, maybe not an enormous factor. It's not an enormous factor if you don't have the technique to back it up. Mm-hmm. And I realized that by getting my ass kicked by so many people that were hundreds of pounds lighter than me initially. And it's because I didn't have that technique. So I was just trying to like hold their arm, but I'd hold their arm, and then they use the momentum of me holding them to push me through and lock my arm and mm-hmm. some shit. I was just like, God dang. Martial you know art. I mean? Yeah. It's, an, it, it's like an art and there's is. a skill and practice, you know, of this art. And if you don't adhere to it, you're not going anywhere. You're not going like mm-hmm. a, a, literally. Right. I mean, you could get me and stuff. Obviously, you could like, you know, break my arm or you could tweak this or tweak that. But you could get me in a position where I cannot move. Mm hmm. You know, and I've been lifting and exercising my entire life. You've moved thousands of pounds. Yeah. People <laughs> seen me bench press 578 pounds, but I could be in a position where I literally cannot move. Yeah. That's <laughs> what crazy. got me so stuck That's into crazy. It. it. Yeah, exactly. That's what so got me so stuck into it. Because And Josh can probably, Josh weighs 170, right? Or hmm. 160. He could probably put me in a position where I can't move. Josh would, yeah. Josh, yeah. It's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a, a wrestling base, right? He has a wrestling base. Josh is really be, good. Just to make it official, he would be fired. <laughs> <laughs> just so he knows he'd be like he had, he'd have to be like mr bell I, there's no way i could hold you in this position you know you're way too strong you're way too powerful mm-hmm. you know what i mean you yeah. have to lie about it because uh someone on the <laughs> someone on the live chat uh known as clh says uh wrestlers dominate jujitsu that's kind of funny because they mm, that's a joke and let me tell you why <laughs> wrestlers dominate jujitsu at the lower levels wrestlers are like cats they don't like to be on their back so especially in the gi uh, let me say this. In the gi, wrestlers are are scared because they don't like being stopped. They like keeping things moving. So if I grab a wrestler's gi and stop him from moving around, he's mine. Like, yeah, I think it's if you're a wrestler, shoot, get into jujitsu because you already have a, a base of like grappling. But jujitsu is different because once it's taken to the ground, that's not a wrestler's domain. You know, he can like put people in holds and stuff, but it's it's not a wrestler's domain to be on his back. You know, so there's strengths and weaknesses to wrestlers, mm-hmm. um, but they don't dominate. Like you can, you can beat wrestlers. <laughs> They're in, scary in, initially. In, in, so I've been watching UFC since UFC one. So maybe I can clear up what this guy's thinking and what he's seeing. Wrestlers do great in MMA and they do amazing in the UFC. But the UFC is a totally different game than just jujitsu or just wrestling. The UFC, the guys are so skilled that you can't really even, you can, you can use jujitsu and you could, you know, you see people tap mm-hmm. quite frequently. Um, but most people are aware and most people are pretty darn skilled or at least skilled enough in jujitsu to where they can block a lot of the things. Sometimes you don't even see jujitsu being practiced in the UFC. Yeah. What you might see more of is more striking and more wrestling. That's not really because wrestling is superior or striking is a superior form of like combat or superior way to protect yourself or to uh, even inflict harm on someone else. It's just the fact that a lot of these guys know how to block these other holds and these other moves. So people like it's a strategy game, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I already know that you know jujitsu really well, 
I'm like, I'm to take my chances up here, you know? And so, and even for yourself, if you've been working on your striking, you might be like, I don't really care. Like if we end up on the ground, we end up on the ground. So therefore you and I could fight for five rounds and not even end up doing any jujitsu. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean that, you know, wrestling or, uh, you know, um, punching and kicking is, is superior. You know, mm -hmm. normally what you see in the UFC, the best guys, they have a really good wrestling background and they have a good striking background. Again, that doesn't mean that, that they don't know anything about jujitsu though. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to see, you don't see bones Jones. You might see bones Jones choke someone out, but it's usually after he kind of like beats the shit out of him first. He beats him down first. Yeah. And then choking the person out is actually like just a byproduct of like, he, he really kicked the shit out of the guy and the guy, the guy can't defend himself anymore. Mm -hmm. But for the most part in the UFC, all those guys are fairly skilled when it comes to at least defending some of it. That that's kind of what I've seen over the years. Yeah, that might be what that guy's kind of referring to. Yeah, the Daniel Cormais and some of these guys getting in there and like smothering people. You know, man. Yeah, like I, I get exactly what you're saying. There's two sides to this. Ben Askren was killing until he got that knee to the face. Mm. And he was like a mm. pure wrestler too. So right, there's a weakness there because that guy knew he was going to go to the ground and he just smacked him in the face. But then there's Habib. Mm -hmm. well, then there's Habib. Uh, and you know what's funny? Habib doesn't even do jujitsu. He just started. He's a white belt in jujitsu right now. You know what I mean? How terrifying is that? That is scary <laughs> as shit. Now, like Habib is just someone who like he can strike and he can do all that. But if he gets his arms around you, uh, that's wrestling and a bunch of other grappling stuff. But my God, like, how do you explain that? Mm -hmm. You know, you can strike the hell out of him, but if if he if he takes you, like, yeah, Dan Severn, who we had here on the podcast, mm -hmm. it's like the guy got through a whole career of fifty or sixty fights without a scratch on him, and he didn't even know how to do anything. <laughs> He's like jujitsu. What's that? <laughs> Yeah, He's like, right? what are they going to do? Put their arm, put my arm behind their yeah. my back. He's like, how bad could that hurt? He's like, what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. I think MMA is a different beast from like competition jujitsu. It's a totally different beast. So yeah, and and uh, also having a gi. Mm. Have oh, you yeah. done? Have you done? Uh, I mean, I guess you I haven't compete. competed in no gi. Yeah, I trained some no gi, but I haven't competed in no gi. Um, I huge feel difference between the two, right? There is a huge difference. I think that like competing in the gi can be good for no gi because there's. There's a lot more things you can do in a gi that you just won't do in no gi because you don't have anything to grab on. You just have your opponent. So no gi is slipperier, mm -hmm. more slippery. Um, there's less time to like, since you can't really grab on something and keep your opponent down, It like there's a lot more movement, a lot more pummeling. Um, so so yeah, there's uh, also there's also no gi jujitsu tournaments. There's no gi jujitsu tournaments. There's no gi worlds. Um yeah, like for every competition that there's a gi, there's a competition for no gi. Oh, wow. Pretty much, yeah. So I haven't competed much in no gi because I don't have that many no gi training partners. Um, but it's fun. It's it's really, really fun. No gi also is uh, a lot of people like to go for legs in no gi, mm. you know. So I'm, I'm very careful with the competitions I pick because there's a certain thing called a heel hook in sure. jiu-jitsu. And heel hooks are like probably the most dangerous submission because if someone really cranks it they'll tear your acl and they'll just rip your mm. knee up and people have done that in competition before too so i stay away from any competition that has heel hooks involved because mm. i want to compete for a long time yeah yeah so yeah. yeah at like at a lot of tournaments you'll see guys put on heel hooks and they're not nice about it like even if i like guys that i train with if they put on a heel hooks in competition they'll they'll hold it and their opponent knows that they have it mm. but there are some guys who just like they don't care and then they, they, give it they a have your foot and they're just like ah, and they end your career 
So, <laughs> like, whoops. Yeah, it's not a whoops though. It's on purpose. Oh, yeah, because it's Damn. not one of those things you could accidentally do. Yeah, like when when we were at Tenth Planet, I seen a chick heel hook another chick, and like they were well. So before that, they were going at it for a while, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. You know, at, uh, maybe not at Casio's, but you've seen people where they're like, they're rolling and like, oh shit, you stepped up. Okay, I'm going to step. And they, oh, yeah, of course. They just kept amping it up and up and up. And I can see the look in her face. And she got her heel hook and pop pop. And oh, like I just heard both of them both like scream at the same time. And I was like, oh, you suck for doing that. Yeah. But it was like interesting because like I seen it go from like stage one to ah, oh, you're mean for doing that one because you can tell like she did it on purpose. Yeah, man. You just got to, you, you, you got to know what's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how excited are you guys for uh, Masvidal versus Diaz? That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Dude, I can't wait. It's, I think, November 1st, mm. I think. Uh, <laughs> I love watching Diaz fight. Dude, my my thing is I'm afraid because, like, obviously I'm a Diaz fan. He's, like, what, half an hour away from here right now? Yeah, Stockton, baby. Uh, he 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 gets hit, you know, and he keeps coming at you. But Masvidal has some serious power. Mm. Oh my god! I feel like they're yeah. almost the same person, kind of. Yeah, that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah, it's, I haven't been this fired up for a fight since probably I don't know maybe Diaz McGregor. Ah, yeah, okay. it should be it should be pretty cool. I think uh, you know we should kind of bring this one in and. Um, maybe kind of leave people with something that they can do, you know, give them something, uh, you know, tangible to try out. You know, um, you see people kind of put up like these 30 day challenges and things like that. And I think those kind of things can be, uh, sort of fun and this could kind of help, uh, lead you into suffering beautifully as, as our friend Brian Aldrew, uh, said on our podcast, I think, you know, something that I, I would give people, um, to do, you know, we talk a lot about, many different things here on the podcast, but just try, just try a couple of days. Try, let's, I'll just give you a certain amount of days. Let's just try two days of, uh, a very, very low carbohydrate intake. Try two days of very low carbohydrate intake. Um, let's say that you're somebody that kind of pays attention to the food that you're eating. You normally eat like 200 or 300 grams. Try a day where the only like intentional carbs that you eat is maybe the equivalent of like half of a baked potato or maybe it's the equivalent of maybe like a cup of rice. Mm. And, and throughout the day with your other food, maybe you have some veggies and you have some meat. Just just try it out two days. If you can make it a third day, that would be kind of cool. See how it feels. Did it feel good? Did you sleep well? Did your workouts feel okay? You know, if, if they didn't, then maybe it's not great for you or maybe you have to make some adjustments and try to increase the amount of fat and try it for a few more days. But I think it's really worth a try to try things out for two or three days at a time, see how it feels and see if you can kind of continue on the path. If it, if it feels okay for you, you might find yourself losing some water weight that you just kind of been holding on to mm-hmm. for a while. So that's kind of my challenge to you is, um, try low carbohydrates, try, you know, getting under like 50 grams and give it a shot for two or three days. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. But um, if you can do it for more than two or three days, then do it for more than two or three days. Because like the learning curve you talked about, maybe you didn't really get that learning curve in that, in that little right. bit of time. Maybe you got to add some more things in, 
you know, and then it'll really work well for you. I know it didn't work for me initially when I went low carb. I felt like shit and I, I almost stopped. So yeah, because you're going low carb, maybe bump the fats up yep. immediately, you know, have a ribeye, uh, have some whole eggs, a couple things like that. Salt. Yeah. Keep <laughs> that. Add that salt. Yeah. Keep that salt in. Yeah. And if I'm going to leave anybody with anything, just like, I think like Andrew said, you know, if you're working out, do a little bit more the next day. Maybe if you're doing some cardio stuff, do an extra set of burpees or, or maybe an extra set of, maybe an extra set of squats. Try it out and see how you feel. Um, but just try and do a little bit more and try to find where that is. Try to find where that that place is where you're like, okay, uh, this I didn't know I could do this, and I did. Well, okay, let me let me work with this. Figure that out. Give it a shot. Yeah, and I would just add to that is like uh, whatever it is in the gym, like whether it's a machine that you look at, you pass by every day, you haven't touched it in a couple months, or uh, you seen some, you seen Mark Bell do burpees one day, and you haven't done a burpee in like four years. <laughs> Give it a try this week. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah. And, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's if you haven't done one in four years, uh, why not try to give yourself a repetition amount that makes sense, that represents the fact that you haven't been doing it in four years. (laughs) So let's say you're doing it in between doing some, uh, you know, one arm dumbbell presses or something like that, because it's a great opportunity to do a burpee in between a a movement like that, because it's going to get your heart rate up. You're still going to be able to be effective with the uh, overhead press. You go back and forth between the two. Just do like four or five reps. Keep yeah. it really, keep it really, really easy. Maybe even go down one rep and you do four sets of the overhead press, and you do four, three, two, one with your uh, burpees. It just, you know, kind of ease your way into it. Get a good, uh, get a good feel for it. Get a good sensation for it. And Seema just reminded me of. Um, there's a really good speech and it's, it's called just do it. And it's from someone I admire a ton. His name is, his name is Art Williams. Art Williams is, has been a motivational speaker for a really long time. I was lucky enough to see him live. I actually tried to chase him down and I got in trouble. I like went backstage <laughs> and they were like, what are you doing back here? I was like, Oh, I'm a friend of arts. They were like, get out of here. dude. They, they, they knew I didn't, uh, I didn't know him, but, uh, Art Williams uh, used to sell uh, life insurance, and he ended up he ended up selling life insurance, or not selling life insurance. He ended up starting a life insurance company, and he ended up beating Prudential, and he ended up beating some of the biggest companies in the world. He later ended up selling it. He's extremely successful to the tune of like he's worth like four billion dollars or something really wild like that. And uh, he did his speech in 1984. It's called "Just Do It." And in 1985, Nike started their Just Do It campaign. You can kind of read between the lines. Nike claims they don't know anything about it, but uh, I'm sure <laughs> they do. Crazy. But during his speech, he talked about a little bit more. He, he kept saying a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. He said, what's the $50,000 a year guy do? Uh, you know, or what's the $200,000 a year guy do that the $50,000 a year guy isn't doing? And he just said, uh, you know, he does this a little bit more. He does that a little bit more. He does this a little bit more. So try to figure out your a little bit more that you can do in your day. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch you guys later. <laughs>